We have three readings this evening. Uh, Acts 2, 42 to 47, Romans 12, 1 to 2, and Colossians 3, 16. So first of all, page 1094 in your pew Bibles. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possession and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And now if you turn to page 1139, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, page 1139. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And finally, if you turn to page 1184, Colossians 3 and verse 16, page 1184. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So um, let's just pray uh, quickly before we think about uh, music. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that we are able to come together uh, and sing. We thank you for the gift of music that you've uh, given to us. Uh, We pray that this evening, as we look at your word, you'd help us to understand what your word has to say about how we uh, use music uh, within church. We pray that you'd give us hearts that are uh, ready to learn uh, and be challenged and rejoice at the gift of music that you've given to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's um, it's pretty clear, even without statistics, I think, uh, that music plays uh, a really big part of our lives, uh, whether it's um, having earphones in your ears or just having your radio or wireless, depending on how old you are, uh, playing constantly. Uh, But statistics do tell us that music is important to us. Um, Apparently, 2013, the company Apple announced that music fans had purchased uh, by downloading uh, 25 billion songs from their iTunes store in just 10 years, which is 15,000 downloads per minute which is 250 every second. 
that's just iTunes. It doesn't account for all the other online music uh, stores or other digital purchases or the money spent on live music or some of the NAF TV shows on a Saturday night that we watch um, or music awards uh, or music videos, uh, YouTube, uh, lessons, uh, instruments. We forget about them, don't we? Uh, or even just uh, all of those radio stations that you flick through in the car to find something that uh, takes your fancy. Music takes uh, up a big part of our lives. It's quite important to us. Uh, but tonight we're, we're thinking about the place of music in the life of the church. And um, before we think specifically about music, uh, we're going to think more broadly about the purpose of church. Uh, because we need to get that right before we understand uh, the place of music and how we might practice music in church as well. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with the purpose of church before we get uh, to the place of music and then um, how we practice music as well. I'm conscious um, this is a massive topic. I won't say everything that can be said, um, but hopefully um, what will be said might be helpful. So the purpose um, of church to start off with, um, particularly looking at Acts uh, chapter 2, there are three uh, crucial um, aspects to church and they're kind of foundational uh, reasons that we meet together. And the first one, uh, you probably spotted it as we read through, is the word of God. If you look back at Acts chapter 2, uh, it shows us that the number one priority for the early church when they met together was that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Uh, they didn't come together solely to, to offer their praise to God. Uh, it was first and foremost devotion to hearing the word of God, uh, what God had revealed about himself uh, through the Lord Jesus and then uh, through the apostles. We heard about that a few weeks ago, didn't we? That the apostles were those who Jesus specifically promised to lead into all truth about him. And you might remember looking at 1 John uh, before Christmas, that it's through the testimony, through the testimony of the apostles about Jesus, that we are able to have fellowship with God. So it makes sense, doesn't it, that their priority when they gathered was the word of God. Just in case um, you're not aware, gathering is what church means. It's not about the building. Most of us might know that. It's about gathering. So technically you could have a, a group of rugby players gather together on a rugby pitch and call them a church. Their priority of getting very muddy and throwing the ball backwards uh, is a bit different to Christian church, but it's a gathering. It's a church in a sense. But our priority um, should be the word of God. That's the first thing. The second uh, thing is that their gatherings were marked uh, by responding to God through devoted prayers. So a few verses for you. Romans 12, 12, easy one to remember, tells us to be constant in prayer. Colossians 4, verse 2, uh, tells us to devote ourselves to prayer. 1, Thess 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 7 tells us to pray uh, without ceasing. We're to humbly uh, depend on God uh, and respond to him for who he is, who he's revealed himself to be in his word. That should be uh, a steady heartbeat of the church, if you like. And that's what the early church did. Uh, back in Acts 2 again, they were devoted uh, to the fellowship uh, to the breaking of bread, responding to God in prayer. That's the second thing. Thirdly, uh, love. To love one another. 
uh, again, Acts 2, it's obvious, isn't it? There was clearly a community there that selflessly loved one another. It's remarkable, isn't it? Acts 2 reminds us what they did. Uh, They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They weren't focused on themselves, they were focused on everybody else. Uh, And throughout the New Testament, we get that idea of community, don't we? Uh, We're together as one body, one family, one building, uh, one people. And because Jesus first loved us by dying for us, uh, we love one another. Uh, And we're to continually, sacrificially put the needs of others uh, before ourselves. They're the central aspects of the early church gatherings, to listen to God through his word, to respond to him uh, in prayer, uh, and to mutually love one another. Now, you might be thinking, what on earth has this got to do uh, with music? But it's really quite uh, important. I've started with the purpose of the church because it helps us to see that whatever music might be to us in any other context, uh, in church, it needs to fit in with those priorities. That would make sense, wouldn't it? So uh, the place of music is to serve the purpose of the church. In case you've uh, missed where we are on that little orange sheet, we're on the second bit uh, now. You've got God's word to us, our response, and then loving one another. They're the the crucial factors about church. And the place of music is to fit in uh, with that. That would uh, make sense, wouldn't it? And it gives us uh, two applications. Um, I'll call them point A and point B. They don't fit with the point A, B and C that you've got all over your sheets, so just ignore that. Uh, But the first thing is this, the music in church must serve the purpose of the church, which means that we need to sing songs that help us to teach God's word, or that teach us God's word. Often it's true, uh, I don't know if you've had this experience, where you remember the words of a song in the church service far more easily than you remember anything that the person preaching said. It might have just been a really bad sermon, or it could have just been a really good song. Uh, You can decide. Uh, But it makes it really important, doesn't it, that the words we sing are faithful to what God teaches us. Uh, We need to have songs that help teach us God's word. Secondly, we need songs that help us to respond to God's word. Music's uh, a way, isn't it, which all people, whether you're a Christian uh, or not, it's a way that people express uh, their response to something. Uh, Most songs that I ever hear on the radio are to do with somebody breaking up with somebody else and how sad they are um, about it. But that's what people seem to sing about. There's other things as well, but that seems to be uh, the main thing at the moment. Uh, But if music is to serve the purpose of the church, if it's to fit in with what seems to be the purpose of the church, uh, we should be singing songs that help us to respond to God's word, to what he's taught us about himself uh, and about all that he's done. And then lastly, uh, across the bottom, um, in in the middle, uh, we need songs that encourage and exhort us in the truth of God's word. That's what that um, verse in Colossians 3 uh, was all about. Uh, We aren't just singing uh, a response to God upwards, uh, but we're singing with one another. And in a sense, uh, we're we're singing to one another. 
Um, when I went to uh, Wembley, I've been there twice, one I won't talk about. The other time was great because my football team won. Uh, and it was brilliant at one point in the game. We were winning, we were going to go to the Premiership. Uh, well, we did go to the Premiership for one year. But um, we were there, 90,000 fans, the away fans and the Derby County fans, all singing together. Didn't care about the football, we were just singing about how much we hated Leeds United. <laughs> uh, we were singing, I don't know who we were singing to upwards, but we were certainly singing to one another, and it was very funny. Sorry, Clive, I know you like Leeds. Um, but if you like, um, we need Wii tunes rather than iTunes in church. Uh, we need songs that encourage us uh, together. That fits in uh, with God's purpose, to love one another. Now, just a bit of a, a brief aside with regards to music. I don't know if you've often heard music referred to as worship or praise. Now, often we use those uh, terms, don't we, to refer to times of singing in church. I was at a wedding yesterday, uh, and the guy introduced the service, and then he said, now we're going to uh, worship uh, and praise God. And I thought, well, what were we doing before? Um, but we do need to look again at how the Bible defines those terms, because we're often quite lazy about how we use those two particular words. So I thought it'd just be worth just pointing out what the Bible does say about those words so we can use them uh, better. Praise uh, in the Bible really means declaring what God is like and what he's done for us, particularly uh, through the gospel, I think. You might want to write this down, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. I'll read it to you. It tells us that Christians are to declare the praises of him who brought them out of darkness into his wonderful light. The idea is of declaring. That's really what praise uh, means. We declare uh, how much we hate Leeds United or something else. So singing can be praise, but so can preaching. So can uh, chatting about the gospel uh, in Costa. Or talking about what you learn at Cypher on the bus on the way to school tomorrow morning. And it can be much more than talking as well. Hebrews 13 uh, tells us that we're, well, it encourages to, us to offer a sacrifice of praise, which is defined as doing good and sharing with others. So praise is much, much wider than when we stand up uh, and sing a few songs in church. Although music is a brilliant way um, to praise God together. But it's much broader than just singing. And the same goes uh, for worship. That's why we had that verse read from Romans chapter 12. Worship is similar in that we can worship God and we do worship God through music. But calling music uh, worship, that falls hugely short of what the Bible word means. Romans 12, uh, 1 tells us that our spiritual act of worship is offering up our bodies in response to the gospel. In other words, your whole life should be worship. Being generous uh, with your money, spending time with someone who's lonely, working really hard at your coursework, uh, that is worship if we do it in response to God and all that he's done for us. It's one of my little um, bugbears, uh, I'm afraid, but it's really unhelpful to call music uh, worship time, or praise, just on its own. Uh, when we say, now we're going to worship, like at that wedding yesterday, it kind of implies that everything we were doing before wasn't those things. So here's a little plea um, as we're thinking about this. 
It'd be good, wouldn't it, to use Bible words the way that the Bible uses uh, those words. But I'm not saying that music isn't worship and music isn't praise, for those of you who think I uh, need to get off my whatever it is. But let's um, use those words as the Bible uses them. Side note over. Let me give you some examples of what I think are good examples of songs um, that serve uh, the, music of ch- uh, the purpose of church. I'll just give you a couple of good examples rather than give you my bad examples. Um, a few weeks ago, you might remember um, when Mark was talking about heaven at the start of January, and we sung a song called There Is A Day by a band called Fatfish. Fat Let me remind you uh, of the words, and maybe you have the, have the music in the back of your mind. So we sung together, There is a day that all creation's waiting for, a day of freedom and liberation for the earth. And on that day, the Lord will come to meet his bride, and when we see him, in an instant we'll be changed. The trumpet sounds, and the dead will then be raised, by his power never to perish again. Once only flesh, now clothed with immortality, death has now been swallowed up in victory. In the chorus, we will meet him in the air, and then we will be like him. Then all hurt and pain will cease, and we'll be with him forever, and in his glory we will live. So, lift your eyes to the things as yet unseen. That will remain now for all eternity. Though trouble's hard, it's only momentary, and it's achieving our future glory. And it's the chorus, however many times you want to sing it again at the end. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that song is a brilliant song, both because of the words, uh, but also because of the music. Nearly all of the words are pretty much pulled straight out of the Bible. Uh, Romans 8, 1 Thessalonians 4, Revelation 21, there's others as well, but they're the main ones. We're being reminded, we're being taught of God's word. And it helps us to respond to that amazing hope that we have. And the chorus, did you notice, and the last verse particularly, is something that we sing to one another. When we encourage one another, we say, so, lift your eyes. Who are we talking to? We are probably talking to ourselves, but we can be talking to one another. Uh, We sing, we will meet him in the air. Together. Now, it might not be your style uh, of music, I don't know. You might have a different taste of music to me. But I think that the music is really helpful as well. Because it's talking about uh, the struggle of this life. And the music is actually quite slow. It takes a while to get going, the music. But then you get to the chorus, uh, and it's really uplifting. When we will meet him in the air, then we'll be like him. Uh, The music fits uh, with what we're singing about. The chorus, if you like, comes as a relief, just like heaven will come as a relief uh, when we get there. So I think it's a great song. Maybe you don't like that one. Maybe you prefer an older hymn. Let me give you another one. Crown him with many crowns. It's got about eight verses. I'm not going to read them all out. This song uh, focuses on the lordship of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the glory of Jesus. Uh, And we sing, maybe you recognize some of these words. We sing of the lamb on his throne, the matchless king through all eternity. 
the Lord of life who's triumphed over the grave uh, and risen victorious for those he came to save. I will read the last verse, or one of the last verses. Crown him the Lord of years, the potentate of time, creator of the rolling spheres, ineffably sublime. All hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. Thy praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. Now again, those words are rooted in the truths of the Bible. They remind us of who God is. They remind us of how glorious and majestic and victorious he is over death in particular. And musically, uh, it's great, it's fantastic because the music uh, is big. That's not a music term. (laughs) It's grand. Uh, It's majestic. And especially if you've got a brass section, it's brilliant. Uh, The music highlights the the kind of the glory of what we're singing about, how majestic Jesus is. Perhaps um, one of the things we need to think about in some of the older hymns, because they often have much better words than some of the newer songs that we sing, but some of the words in some of those older songs, we don't all have any idea what they mean. So we perhaps need to think about rewording them, not changing the meanings, but uh, so that we can all understand them. But overall, it's a great song, uh, and it's served the purpose of the church for a long time, and I hope it carries on to you. But that's the point. Music is supposed to serve the purpose of church. I hope you can see where I'm going uh, with that. So that's point A on uh, the place of music serving the purpose. The second one, uh, point B, is that music uh, must be demystified. Again, I've stolen that point uh, from somebody else. Now, whether you've been to see a musical in London uh, or a live band at Wembley or even you've just uh, tuned in to Classic FM, I don't know what's your taste, uh, you'll know that music can be incredibly moving, can't it? Uh, Quite literally, it can make you tap your feet uh, or send a shiver down your spine or just shout on your own in the car as you drive along, uh, unaware that you're completely out of tune or whatever. Um, But music is, is very powerful, isn't it? Uh, And it's particularly powerful uh, with regard to our emotions. And one of the dangers with music uh, is that we associate the emotional effect that music can have on us uh, with the work of God's Holy Spirit inside of us. We might feel uh, emotionally moved, very easy with music. And sometimes we can sort of equate that to be God's Spirit at work in us. And perhaps somehow think we're closer to God than we were when we were chatting over coffee uh, earlier in the weekend. Now there are a few things I think we need to bear in mind. First, um, any emotion we do experience doesn't necessarily mean that God is at work. And just because we don't have uh, an emotion doesn't mean that God isn't at work. I'll come back to that uh, in a moment. Second, though, this one's really important. When we think about the Holy Spirit and how he works, do you remember he's called the Spirit of Truth? And the way God works through his Spirit is through transforming our minds to understand who he is and what he's done through his word. That's, um, you could look up that Romans verse again, verse 2, chapter 12, verse 2. Importantly, and I think I've noticed this as a musician, It's not through being manipulated by music emotionally. The Spirit's sword, 
do you remember, is called the Word of God. That's the main way he attacks, if you like, or is at work. That's primarily how he does his work. He renews our minds, our thinking, through his word. Now that all said, uh, particularly about emotions in songs, if our songs are full packed of truth, and we sing some of the examples that I gave you, uh, we should expect that the Spirit is doing his work, shouldn't we? As we remember what God's done. But often we think it's the emotions that we have because of the music and we can get a bit confused. The most reliable evidence, though, for the work of the Spirit in our lives is not primarily how we feel uh, on a Sunday, whether we're singing or not, but it's by the evidence of a growing Christian character and a lifestyle that's marked by ongoing repentance and being obedient to Jesus. There's very little in the New Testament if we look through it. I won't give you any more. Well, I will give you some more Bible verses in a minute. Um, But there's very little in the New Testament that suggests that the work of the Holy Spirit is marked by dancing like David did uh, in the Old Testament. Instead, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's Galatians 5 verse 22. Or John 16, Jesus himself talks about a conviction of sin. And Romans 8 talks about a gradual uh, change and confidence uh, in our lives towards Jesus, where we're going and how we're becoming more and more like him. Now, on another little um, side note, we'll come back to music uh, in a moment. I've noticed um, that often when the focus of a church is more on the experience that comes through music, often really, really good music, rather than the teaching of the word of God, there's often a lack of Christ-like character and a shallow uh, discipleship in the lives of those who go. Not always, uh, but often. Perhaps it's something uh, to be aware of or think about, particularly uh, as some of you think about going off to university um, September time. Lastly, though, on this uh, little section, It's worth saying our closeness to God is not at all based on how we feel. It's based on the blood of Jesus and his work on the cross. Hebrews 10 explains that we have confidence of our closeness with God because of Jesus' death. How we feel or don't feel, which if I think we're all honest, most of the time it's more a don't feel, isn't it? It has nothing to do with our closeness to God. In fact, uh, we're living in Old Testament times if we think we need to be in a certain place or physical state to be close to God. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, it tells us that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in us and comes from God. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you're singing in church, singing in the shower, uh, playing rugby at, at your rugby church, or sitting in Costa, drinking whatever you like to drink in Costa. The Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, is with you. You couldn't be closer to God. That's quite important uh, to remember that. Let me sum up where we are. Our emotions are a good gift uh, from God, but it's really unbiblical to to spiritualise them, uh, or base our kind of relationship status, if you want a Facebook term, 
uh, with God. It might be helpful to remember that our emotions should always be aroused because of the truth of the gospel, uh, not because of the music, not because the music is just brilliant. Now I say that um, as a musician who really enjoys music. I do love music. And it's a really helpful and enjoyable way, uh, enjoyable gift from God through which we can praise him. But we must use music to express how we feel uh, about God, not use music to kind of drum up some emotion inside of us. Often it's done by the drums, isn't it? Sorry, Hayden. I'm just <laughs> but in another way, put it in another way, uh, our emotions shouldn't be stirred by the truth. It uh, should be stirred by the truth, not by the tempo. Often when things get faster and louder, it's more moving musically. But we need to make sure that it's the words, uh, the truths about God that move us. So the place of music is to serve the purpose of the church, to keep us focused on the word of God, prayer, uh, and encouraging one another. We're nearly there, but I thought it'd be helpful to think through uh, a few practical implications, particularly for church musicians, but I hope that you'll be able to spot this much wider implications uh, for any Christian who is in church. So last point, the, the practice of the musician is to serve the purpose of the church. Do you see how it all links um, together? It's all about the purpose of the church. Those people who, who do lead music, uh, and perhaps particularly those who pick the songs for us. They aren't just musicians, um, but in a sense, they're Bible teachers. They've got a responsibility uh, to choose songs which help teach us truths about God, to help to pick songs that help us to respond to truths about God, and pick songs that help us to encourage one another. And as I've said, songs are very influential. Uh, I went back from Holiday Club a few years ago, um, and it was a song about uh, how God is always with us or something. I can't actually remember it now, but I was singing it in the shower one morning, uh, and some kids walked past the door, and I got the window open, and they kind of looked up, and they must have thought, what is going on here? But I could, I'd remembered the song, and back then I could remember the words. Um, but if we have bad songs with bad words, they teach very bad theology, don't they? That could be really dangerous. We don't want to be teaching ourselves the wrong things about God. So there's a really big responsibility to, to write and to choose good songs for those who do that, so that re they reinforce truths about God rather than sort of send us into some kind of confusion. So we need to ask ourselves when, when we're singing, uh, is this song teaching me the truths about God? Is it teaching me what the Bible says about God? Does it fit uh, well with tonight's passage. Not everyone will. We don't just pick every single song based on the passage. But it's much more than uh, just picking songs that you like. Perhaps there's an application to all of us um, not to sing with our minds closed. We need to think about what we're singing and check that it's helping us. And as somebody who helps pick the music, do come and talk to me uh, or somebody else who does that if you think some song isn't very good not necessarily because of the music, but particularly because of the words. Another application uh, with regards to this is how a musician, and musicians are bad for this, uh, we can detract from the word of God 
through either being really bad or just being really good. <laughs> For example, if the band falls apart completely uh, and join a song, and yes, that happens sometimes, uh, it distracts us from the word of God that we're singing about. But also, if the band has a rip-roaring guitar and drum solo in the middle, or the singers putting on their makeup and smiling at everyone centre stage, um, that distracts us uh, from the word of God and what we're singing about. So you can be too bad, but you can also be too good. And if you're too bad, it means you need to practice more. Uh, and if you're too good, it means you need to hold back a little bit more. Now, thinking about um, music and our response to music, let's do that one. Musicians, they need to make sure that they're not using music in a way that manipulates people's emotions. Now, what I mean by that is it's very easy to create a kind of mood, isn't it? Uh, or an atmosphere where you just entertain people. Now, that is not responsible. It's not letting God's word produce a response. Uh, it's trying to get the music to manipulate people. Uh, it's as easy to do as it is dangerous um, to do for some of the reasons I mentioned earlier. And it's very easy if you know how. I used to play in quite a few bands and used to gig around a few pubs um, locally to where I lived. And it was really, really easy um, to get the pub going, to get people clapping and singing along. Had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit, I can assure you of that. It was all to do with drums and just winding people up musically. It's very easy to do, but we mustn't do it in church. It needs to be God's word that evokes any emotions that we express. On a positive note though, um, and I quote somebody else here, when the music highlights the meaning of the words, it can help plant the word of God memorably and powerfully in our hearts. Now those two songs that I gave earlier are examples that I think do that. The music is incredibly helpful and useful because it highlights the music of the words, the words of the music. Now, just finally, let's finish with thinking about loving one another within the context of music in church. Uh, any musician, in fact, any Christian, uh, we need to realise that we're in the church to serve, not to perform and draw attention to yourselves. Uh, again, I used to play in uh, some bands at school, uh, and at the end, everybody would clap, and you'd be told to stand up and take a bow, because you're taught as a musician, or generally an, an arty type, I suppose, uh, to get the applause at the end. I don't think it's just musicians who like that attention. But it's important that we're serving other people, not, try, not trying to draw attention to ourselves or distract others which means practicing music during the week if you don't know it, so that you don't make too big a blunder. It, it might mean holding back and working out where perhaps you sit out a certain bit of the music. Whichever end of the spectrum uh, you're at, too good or too bad, uh, I won't point anybody out this evening, uh, it means playing and singing, or just being in church generally with the right attitude. And having the whole church in mind is really important because it might mean that uh, sometimes we have to um, transpose a song down a, a couple of keys because not everybody's a grade eight singer. And you get to a point in the song where there's only two people singing, one really badly and one really well. 
and it means thinking carefully about when we, when we have a practice, we try to think through um, how can we highlight what the um, words are saying here, musically. And that takes time, you have to think about it. Now even if you aren't in the music group, um, this applies to you, okay, this next one. Because music is often one of those things that divides us, doesn't it? Even to the point where churches are left or they're chosen uh, because of music. And it often divides us simply because certain songs or styles or instruments um, just aren't our cup of tea. I used to go to a church where someone played the drums uh, and there was one particular lady who would stand at the back and just put her fingers in her ears um, until the song had finished. She really didn't like the drums. Um, whether you like the drums um, or not, I don't know. Whether you like um, the music or not, though, is not really the point of church. Most important thing Paul says when he talks about other types of gifts in church is that all things are done for building up and that includes our focus uh, on music and our perspective on music we shouldn't focus on ourselves what we like what our style is um, again we want we tunes not iTunes things that build up everybody which might mean we sing songs that we don't necessarily like in style so much or we put up with um, a few mistakes from time to time as people are learning uh, in the music or we have an instrument one week that perhaps you might want to put your fingers in your ears for we don't have any bagpipes lined up so don't worry about that but as we um, close it's probably um, worth saying when we come to sing to God in church we do need to remember, um, perhaps above all the stuff I've said, that God is far more uh, concerned about the state of our hearts uh, before him than the sound of our voices. Uh, somebody who's tone deaf uh, but sings genuinely from their heart, uh, that's a far more wonderful sound to God than a well-trained singer who really couldn't care less about God uh, and others around them. He's much more concerned that we're living uh, repentant lives with our faith in him. Our whole lives, all of our worship, including music, uh, it needs to be shaped by God's word. Uh, it should be in response to God's word and it should be for the good um, of one another to build all of us up in the Lord Jesus. I'm going to pray um, that our music at St Mary's uh, would do that and where we need to improve uh, we would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great gift of music that you've given us um, to enjoy, whatever style it is that we uh, appreciate. Well, we thank you even more for the Lord Jesus, that he died for each of us to gather us to be your people and your church. And we pray that uh, you would help us to be a church that keeps your word central when we come together. We pray that by your spirit you'd be at work in all we do, renewing our minds and growing our understanding, love and service of you, whether it's through music or in other areas. But as we think particularly about music, we thank you for those who serve us in this way. We pray you'd help them as they serve us, help them to know you through your word, to help us know you better through your word, and for all of us to respond in light of who you are and what you've done. And we pray that as we do that, we'd be encouraged uh, when we sing together. We pray that we'd be united 
and that where we might divide on some things, we may love one another as we ought. And we pray also that all of the glory and honour and praise would go to the Lord Jesus. And we ask it in his name. Amen.